Boy, that's a tremendous song, amen. I thank, I thank you for that. I appreciate that. And uh, uh, I'll just share a little bit before I get into the message this morning that uh, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Mike Patterson, been in evangelism. My wife and I have been traveling around the country since 19, what year, babe, 1988, amen. We started evangelism 29 years ago. Um, it'll be 29 years at the end of this month. And uh, that we I'd doing revival meetings before that up in Michigan uh, where I was pastoring a little church and uh, been an associate pastor, been a pastor, been a youth minister, been children's home ministry for five years before that. We started a ministry in 1979, uh, four and a half years after I, well, five years after I got saved. And uh, I tell you what, God has been good, and I thank the Lord for my salvation. For those of you who do not know, I was in prison two times uh, from 1970 to 1974, and during that time I was in six different prisons. And uh, I got saved at the fifth prison that I was in. And by the grace of God, uh, I am what I am, amen? And uh, that's only by the grace of God that I can do what I do, and I thank him for that. Uh, the fifth prison I was in, I was planning on going to the sixth prison uh, because uh, I had a, a plan of escaping from there. That's why I was transferring to it that time. And I had a plan to escape from a pastor, and I got the great escape before I got there, amen? I got saved by the grace of God, didn't want to escape after that. Life turned around. And I made parole 10 months early for good behavior, which would not have happened before I got saved. And I tell you, let me tell you, God's been good to me, been good to my wife. I was the first one saved in my immediate family. And I saw a brother get saved and saw his wife get saved. Saw, I've uh, seen two stepsisters get saved and a stepbrother get saved. Another one that had been saved uh, right after I got saved, I believe, if I remember right. He's gone now. He passed away from cancer. Uh, this past year, and we've seen a number of nephews and nieces and a parcel of great nephews and great nieces all come to Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Amen. Boy, I sure thank the Lord for that privilege that he has given me and my family to be able to uh, be part of his work and to do what he would have me to do as a believer in Jesus Christ. Nehemiah, if you would with me, the book of Nehemiah this morning, please, and chapter 1. We're not going to stay in chapter 1. I want to use it as a way of introduction this morning for a few moments. I'd like to preach to you a message this morning that I have entitled, Why, why We Don't See or Why We Don't Have Revival Today. Very few times we ever see revival today, like, like we saw maybe Pastor back in the uh, early 1900s when revival was running rampant around our country and and maybe even back in the 1940s and the 50s when, when you could have a revival meeting and people would just come out just because you put up a tent somewhere. And then we would see sometimes even in the 1960s and the, the 1970s, 1960s, a big, a big group swept across our continent. And, of course, it affected a lot of, the, uh, a lot of the, uh, what they would call the Jesus movement, which many times they do not know Jesus, amen. And, of course, it spread into the uh, hippie culture back then and uh, uh, back in the 1960s. And there was the big peace movement and the big Jesus movement across our country. But I don't know if I would even call that revival because many of them did not get Jesus, even though they were in that a group, I had a friend that hung with that group pastor when he's out in California. He told me, he said, I've heard the gospel about 23 or 24 times, Mike. And he said, I'm afraid that what you said tonight, that this might be your last time. Why don't you trust Jesus Christ? 
He said, I'm afraid that might be my last time and he would not get saved, amen. But yet he hung with that group uh, for a number of years. So sad that we see that today, even in our own country. People come to church and they hang around other believers and they go to work and they hang around believers and they find believers or hear about believers and then and they hear all the truth but they don't want what they hear. And sometimes I'm wondering if, if the, the problem might lie back on us just a little bit, amen. Uh, God is not done doing a, a work uh, in the hearts of men, and I think that we need to realize that. And we need to realize and recognize that God still has work to do. Would you stand with me as we read, if you're able to, if not, you just remain seated. Nehemiah chapter 1, where the Bible says this, Nehemiah chapter 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hannah and I, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity, there is there in the province, are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed, listen, and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house, uh, we uh, have sinned. I'm going to leave off there and pick up in chapter 2. And five months later, chapter 2, verse 1 takes place. After at five months later, he prayed. Now five months this is going on in his heart. Look what he says. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, uh, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that the, that wine was before him, and I took up wine, the wine, and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. And then Nehemiah says this, Then I was very sore afraid. Because a step in the presence of a king with sadness in his face, sadness in his heart could mean his life. He could have lost his, he could have lost his life for that at that moment. And he was sore afraid because the king saw what was in his face, what was in his heart. Now let's pray and then I'll get into the rest of this. Father, thank you for your precious word and the privilege now that we have to gather around it, God. And God, that you'd have the honor and the glory this morning. I pray, Father, uh, help us to receive uh, from your word that which will benefit us. And God, that you'd just be magnified upon high, Father. I pray, Father, help me, Lord, help us to understand. Help me to see in the scriptures and convey in the scripture what you'd have for each one of us now. Father, if there's anyone here that's not saved, please touch that heart today. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. You may be seated. As I begin this morning, I'm not going to go all through chapter 2 and in chapter 3, if you read chapter 2, uh, later on you'll find out where he, he gets the king to give him a wood to go back and build the walls of the palace. And he gets even a letter from the king to be able to take to get the wood. And he gets a letter from the king to be able to go across the river back towards Jerusalem to be able to rebuild the walls. But if you come with me 
uh, to chapter, uh, uh, chapter 2 and just verse 10, uh, after he gets across the river, after he starts to get wood, the Bible says this, when Samballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly, and there was come a man to seek, or there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Now jump ahead with me just a little bit, if you would, down to verse 19 of chapter 2. The Bible says, But when Samballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant of the, uh, the Ammonite, and Geshem, now they add one more, now Geshem the Arabian, the Bible says, heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Now go with me to chapter 4 and verse 1 of the same uh, book in Nehemiah. And the Bible says this. He said, It came to pass that when Samballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before, uh, before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in the day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And I'm going to pick up right there in this verse and, and uh, look at a couple of things with you. Uh, pastor could probably do a much better job than I ever could on the book of Nehemiah, amen. Uh, but I want to look at a couple of thoughts here with you today, if I could, beginning in this verse, uh, verse 2 again of this text, where he makes a statement, he said, well, they revived the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned. And I realize that as Sam Ballad, that these people who are ungodly, the uncircumcised against the nation of Israel who are making this statement, but I want to tell you, I think that sometimes we don't have revival today around our country. We don't have revival today in our churches or in our meetings or even on Sunday morning pastors sometimes because we don't believe it will happen. Yeah. See, Sam Ballot said, this is not going to happen. What, are they going to build the walls again? Are they going to do these things again? Are they going to bring it to pass? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps and the rubbish which are burned? And people will look, even sitting in the local church today, and they'll look at other people in the church today and they'll say, we can't have revival because look at what is in the church. Look at what we are made up of. And I want to tell you what, that's exactly what God will use to bring you to revival. Not that thought, not that statement, but people who want to get some things right with God and make some things right with God. When was the last time you got some things right with God? When was the last time? When was the last time the Lord spoke to your heart and when he spoke to your heart, you came forward and got down on your knees and asked him to help you as a child of God to do right as a believer in Jesus Christ? I determined a long time ago, and, and uh, I, I've heard and uh, get to hear preachers all around the country uh, all around the year, I get to a couple, three camp meetings every year. I get uh, up in Michigan, brother, every year up in Manton with uh, Dr. Dan Hemmes, and, and he teaches up there at Grace Baptist College, and Brother Jenkins comes down every year, every year and preaches and always gives us something, man, that just, just tweaks your heart just a little more. And when that happens, i got to go to the altar, hey, man. Not, I'm not wicked. I don't think I'm wicked, of course, well... I'm just as wicked as you are, amen, but, uh, but man, he speaks my heart and I'll go to the altar because I know that if I don't, I'm just going to sit in my seat and not do anything about it, and then I'm going to have this mentality uh, that, that it can't happen, God can't do this, and even in my own life, I think that we need to make sure that our heart is in a relationship with God, that when he speaks to us, that we move, 
that we move. People have stopped moving. Yeah, how many of you ever heard of the old sawdust trail? Amen. Some of, some of you, you go back and read books on Billy Sunday, and they called it the old sawdust tabernacle, the old sawdust trail. And he'd give an invitation, and people would walk the sawdust trail to get down on their knees. When I was in Papua New Guinea a few years ago, preaching, people came forward on a muddy, underneath a, underneath a tabernacle that they built. They came down to rain in the mud on the ground and got on their knees on the ground before God, and they stretched out with their hands with their faces in the mud. Praying and asking God to forgive them. And we got a comfortable carpet. We got a comfortable kneeler. We got a comfortable place to come and kneel down. And we won't do anything about it. We say, God can't truly do this. Well, with that mentality, guess what? He's not going to do it. It's not going to happen. That's what happened here. They were looking at it and said, will they, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Which are burned? Will they do this? Can they do this? Can this happen? And they're saying it's not going to happen. Well, that's where the churches sometimes today don't believe it can happen. Don't believe we can have revival. I heard someone say, well, back pastor, they said, um, they said, every nation that has become a bloody nation will never be revived by God. Now, there's some truth to that. Our nation has become a bloody nation with abortion. But I want to tell you what, if, if our nation would turn... God would bless and God could revive our nation. Amen. I'm one of those evangelists that just believe we can still have revival in our churches. We can still have revival in our towns. We can still have revival in our country. We can still have revival around America. Our nation could still be revived if we would turn our hearts back to God and do it God's way. I don't know if that will happen, but it could happen, Pastor. I believe we can still have revival. I believe that the stones can be revived. I believe the walls can be built. I believe the gates can be put back in. But many people do not believe that. And by the way, many preachers don't believe that today. And that's sad. Last year was the last year, Pastor. I'm thinking the revival down in North Carolina went, went for 13 or 14 weeks in a row. And they had they had hundred Baptist churches that got together. Imagine that, two Baptist churches, and there were about ten or fifteen of them down there. They got together down in Burlington, North Carolina, and they had that great revival meeting lasting thirteen or fourteen weeks. And people people all over the city and all over that area came together and got saved. People got saved. Drug addicts and prostitutes and drug dealers and robbers and thieves all, all got saved by the grace of God, Pastor. And they've been able to do something with that. Amen. You say, well, Brother Mike, what's happened with them now? I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't get any names of the people. I don't know what they're doing. I'm just simply knowing that the report that was given that these people had gotten saved by the grace of God. I want to tell you what, they were starting to experience what we would call revival today. Boy, it ought to spread around our country. Amen. It ought to. We'll see pockets of revival and I'm glad for that. But we don't have it today, I believe, because we don't believe it's going to happen. Sure. We don't believe it's going to Well, Jesus is coming back. Praise the Lord. I believe that, amen. I'm glad. Well, Jesus is coming. He might come back tomorrow. So, you know, let's just relax a little bit. No, my friend, we've got a work to do. You've got a work to do, and I've got a work to do. Hey, even if you knew, the, even if you knew preacher when Jesus was coming back, When you stop doing that stuff, you'll say, I don't believe it. 
second thought, if you would with me, please. Look down, if you would, down to verse 3. The Bible says this, Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was by him. And he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. I wrote down number two, We don't believe it will last. Have you ever... um, Seen someone go to the altar now, and I have, I'll be the first to put up my hand. You don't have to put up your hand. I'm just saying, see somebody go to the altar, and maybe a thought that came to your mind was that, you know, they've been there, they've been there 20 times before, and it's still the same problem. It ain't going to last. You ever done that? Anybody want to admit that besides me? We do the same thing with revival. We start to experience something in the church and see something happen. The pastor gets up and he preaches and people start to go forward and people start to get in there. People who, and I'm not saying if you don't come forward that you ain't right with God. I say a lot of times people who are setting back have this mentality of this is that it's not going to last. We've seen it before. We've seen them do this before. We've seen them go forward before. We've seen them quit drinking before. We've seen them quit drug before. We've We've seen them quit their adulterous lifestyle before. We've seen them quit the fornication before. It's not going to last. I want to tell you what, my friend. It will last, and God can do it. The person has to continue to stay right with God. But don't judge the other individual just because they're not like you are and because they're coming forward. You ought to be forward yourself, maybe. Amen. We don't believe it, and we don't believe it will last. Well, that's what this guy was saying. If they do build it, it's not going to be built right. It's not going to be done my way, and a fox will dig the hole, and it'll fall down. Well, I tell you what, I think they had something to learn here, didn't they? When you study the rest of this text out and you read the rest of the book of Nehemiah, I think Nehemiah was an admirable man. I think Nehemiah had the right idea about his nation. Nehemiah had the right idea about rebuilding. Nehemiah had the right idea about serving God. You remember in the beginning of this, in chapter 1, the first thing he did was he sat down, he was astonished, and he wept, and he prayed. He prayed. Can I tell you this? Revival doesn't come just because you pray. Revival doesn't come because you seek prayer. Revival doesn't come just because you have revival meetings. Revival doesn't come just because you get 15 or 20 churches. Revival comes this way because you're seeking God. You seek God with the right heart. And by in your prayer life, you'll be seeking God, seeking what he will want for you and what he will have for you as an individual. You need to seek God. If you're not seeking God, my friend, you you know what? You won't believe it will happen. If you're not seeking God, you know what, my friend? You don't believe it will last. But we need to seek God. Seek his face. When's the last time you prayed on your knees for a family member? Got down and begged God for a child. Got down and begged God for a grandchild to get saved. I praise God right now, Pastor, as far as my wife and I know, all of our grandchildren have been saved as of this last, this last summer. Our last granddaughter got saved this last summer. Our oldest grandson, I remember when I sent my daughters to college, amen. Our oldest grandson is now at Maslin Baptist College in Maslin, Ohio, this last, this, uh, as of this year. Our, other grand, our next oldest grandson is graduating from school. I feel old, amen. I don't look as old as some of you, but I feel old, amen. Who would have thunk it? 
I look back and I, I see these things and I could have simply said this, well, you know, my grandson going to Bible college, I said it never lasts. I'm glad he's there, amen. He's like every young college student pastor when he got there. Uh, he didn't even start school on that Saturday. He was calling his mom and said, I'd like to come home. He didn't even start classes yet, amen. <laughs> he's wanting to come home. Hey, he loves it now, amen. She said, you ain't coming home. You're out of here, boy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Well, look with me if you will. I like what happens in verse 6, so we built the wall. You know, they didn't let somebody else discourage them. Can I tell you this, if you're a person that comes to the altar week after week after week after week because God's dealing with your heart, you know what, don't let somebody else discourage you. You still get up out of your seat and you still come to the altar week after week after week after week after week and let God do something in your heart. And this, when you, get the, when you get the deliverance over that and the victory over that in your life, my friend, he's going to start showing you something else. You know what? When the altar call is given, get out of your seat and come to the altar week after week after week after week after week until you get that taken care of. Amen. Don't stop. The Bible said they didn't get discouraged over preacher. They still built the wall. Nehemiah said, okay, okay, we're done with this. It ain't going to last. Other people in Israel, you'll see this in a little bit. Other people in Judah, in Jerusalem said, it's not going to, we can't do this. Oh, Nehemiah said, no, we still built the wall. They got me, they still worked on it. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. But now look at this down with me, if you will, in verse 7. But it came to pass. As they were still work, working on that wall, they weren't stopped. When Sanballat and Tobiah and, now watch this, and the Arabians, now watch, and the Abanites and the Ashtonites, you see now they're getting more and more people with them, more and more people standing against Israel. And the Ashtonites uh, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped. Then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. We don't have revival today. We don't have revival today because we don't believe we can win. We don't believe we can win. We believe, we believe the world uh, has us by the tail. You ever grab a dog by the tail, anybody in here? A couple of you. You ever kick your dog? I'm just don't. Don't put up your hand. You know, I'd have to tell you, yeah, I kicked mine a few times too, amen. You know, you ever grab a cat by the tail or a dog by the tail? I mean, you know, you just grab them to keep from going somewhere, from missing the box, you know, you grab a hole to pull them back a little bit. That's what we feel like sometimes. That's what we, we think the world has us by the tail. We think the world, we think the world uh, can stop us from going forward. The Bible says, they're, they're, the Bible says our church is on the forward march and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That means we are going forward, not backward. That means the devil can't hang onto our tail and keep us from going forward. That means we still need to go forward. We still need to believe what the Word of God says. But we don't believe we can win sometimes. Well, I, I tell you what, we can win. I like that song, I'm on the winning side. Amen. I'm, on the, well, I'm not on the losing side. I'm on the winning side. And listen, and, and you're on the winning side if you're saved, winning side. The winning, win, win, the winning side if you're saved, amen. You're on the winning side. And listen, you're not winning because of, of this preacher. You're not winning because of your pastor, praise the Lord. He's leading you in the right direction. But preacher, they're winning because of Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, yes. You know what I mean? 
do anything. We cannot do anything in and of ourselves to win. It's all because of what God has already accomplished upon the cross of Calvary that we even have an opportunity to win. And we can win. We can win. We can stand up against the world. We can have revival. We can. But many do not believe it will happen today. And that's a, that's a, sad, uh, that's a sad truth. Amen. I've been in meetings where I've heard, uh, I've a- actually had preachers tell me one time, uh, we don't believe that, that Christians can rededicate themselves to the Lord. Actually told me that. And, and, and I understand what they were saying, but here's what, they, here's what they told me. They said, we believe that dedication to the Lord is like salvation. It's a one-time thing. I said, no, I said, salvation is of the Lord to me. I said, dedication is me to the Lord, and I can fail, amen. Yeah. Guess what? There's times I need to redo things to God, amen. Things I need to make commitments again to him. It's sad that I've heard preachers make statements like that. I've heard preachers make statements that we don't believe in revival meetings today. We don't believe in it. I've heard, I've heard preachers say, what's the use? I've heard preachers say that, uh, well, we only now we have revival meetings. We only have just a, a handful come out, so we're, we're going to stop them. Don't stop them. That's the wrong time to stop them, amen? Those who are coming, let them get what God wants them to have. If everybody else wants to miss it, that's up to them. Shame on them, but preacher, we can't stop having what God wants us to do, amen? I'm not saying that just because I'm an evangelist. I'm saying that because I'm a preacher of God, and if I was pastoring a church somewhere, pastor, I would still have revival meetings, amen? We don't believe we can win. The Bible says this in verse 8, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem, and they hinder it. Here's another one for you. We fight against it. We fight against it. How do we fight against a preacher? Well, now I don't know. Was Brother Jenkins here with you this year, Pastor? Did you do, do your meeting for you? Was he here for the, a week or just a day, or was he how, how long? Two days. Two days. Let me ask you this question. Now, I know Brother Jenkins, great preacher. He really is. I appreciate him very much. He's become a, a friend of mine. And um, but let me ask you this question. How many of you, how many, don't put up your hand, please, this is not to embarrass anybody. But how many of you didn't come when he was here? Now, I realize some on the buses can't come, Pastor, if it's not run that night or, you know, that, that's not what I'm talking about. How many of you folks that knew about it did not come? You say, Brother Mike, you seem like you're chewing us out. No, I'm just simply saying this. We fight against it. How, can, how do you expect God to bless you and bring revival to your heart, turn you around, turn your life around, turn your family around, turn your friends around, if you're not willing to let him turn you around by being in the house of God? So we fight against it. The pastor said something in the Sunday morning uh, before we started on prayer. We fight against it, brother. Amen. We don't come out, we're fighting against it. No, we don't come for Sunday school, we fight against it. We don't come for the evening service, we fight against it. But you know, I want to tell you, you say, Brother Mike, why would you say that? Because can I tell you, now, I'm going back a long ways. I'm going to say 43 years. When I was first saved, there were some times in my life where I fought against it. And I'm going to tell you the stories. You can ask my wife if she wants to tell you, let her tell you, Amen. <laughs> To tell you what a booger I was, amen. 
Preacher, I remember there were times when I was first saved. When I was first saved, I fought against it. God was dealing with me, and I fought against him. Amen. Even came to the point where I quit going to church for a while. God got a hold of my heart. But there was a time when my wife would go to church on Sunday night. You heard the evangelist preach. And I didn't want to go. And I tell her this. Church started at 6.30. I said, I want you home right after 7.30 when that church is done. I got bitter. You know what? I fought against it. God got a hold of my heart. I quit fighting against it. Amen. That was to my shame. Not because my wife stood there, and, and, and I'll, I'll put it this way because she didn't do this. She didn't stand there and nag me. So you need to go to church with me tonight. You need to be there yourself. No, no, no. And she'd be home right after 7 30. I tell you this shame on me. Shame on me. Yeah. Amen. Because I fought against it. Yes, sir. Quit fighting against the things of God. Amen. Yes, sir. Quit fighting against the things of God. That's good. Let God have his way and his will accomplished in your life. If you don't get anything else out of this today, quit fighting against God. I've got to tell you this, when the, when, when the Lord speaks to your heart, you don't come forward. <laughs> you're fighting against God. You're not fighting against a pastor. You don't fight against a missionary or the evangelist. You fight against the Holy Spirit of God moving in your heart and telling you that you need to be at the altar. Amen. I tell you, a lot of good things start at an altar. People give their lives and missions at the altar. Young people surrender to go to Bible college at the altar. Amen. Families come back together at the altar. Marriages are healed at the altar. Amen. Lives are changed at the altar. People are saved at the altar. Well, I tell you what, my friend, I think it's pretty important in our lives. Amen. Amen. The altar in the house of God. Don't fight against it. Look with me if you go back in our text again. He says, verse, uh, verse 9. You know, watch what happens in, with Judah now. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cease the work and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us, Ten times they've done this, ten times they said this to us, From all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Boy, he said, Ten times they came to us. I think some of the people were discouraged, amen. Some people are discouraged. You know what? They, some didn't think that they had rubbish. And I'm surprised today. It's amazing to me. I'm not saying you have a filthy lifestyle, a wicked lifestyle, an ungodly lifestyle. But I'd like to say this to you. We have rubbish in our lives. Rubbish that needs to be swept out. Rubbish that needs to be confessed. Rubbish that needs to be done away with. I'm just wondering, what are you willing to do with the rubbish? When I was a, I remember when I was a kid, uh, 
Yeah, I grew up, my dad died when I was two years old, so I grew up without a dad in my home. I did pretty much what I wanted to do, but I know that when I, when I would clean uh, sometimes the, the floor, if I swept the floor past her, it was easy to sweep it underneath the couch. Because my mom was only five foot two, and she wasn't moving no couch to find the garbage underneath her, amen. Anybody else ever do that? Anybody else still do that? Come on, you can put up some of you. See, look at that. Some are, some are being honest here. The rest of you can be honest too, amen. <laughs> and my mom, my mom would, uh, uh, you know, if she did find it, I'd be in trouble. Not big trouble, because she was only five foot two, amen. She used to try to spank me past her and put my hand on her head. And she walked around with a belt like this. And, that, and, that, and I'd be laughing at her until that buckle popped me, amen. <laughs> now, you kids don't do that to your mom, amen. I did not respect my mom when I was a child. And I've made, I've made that right with my mom since then, amen. I've gone when I got saved, got out of prison. That same uh, day after I got out of prison, I went and made things right with my mom and told her I got saved and asked her to forgive me, amen. And we can laugh about those things, but they really were not funny to her at that time. It was funny to me at the time, but not, but not to her. We got rubbish. We need to sweep out and get rid of. There's little things in our life that we might say nobody knows about this. My wife goes to work, so I'm okay. My husband's not home, so it's okay. My children are in school, so I'm, I'm all right. The boss did not see this. He doesn't know what's going on. So as long as he does not know what's going on, then I'm not, that's rubbish, man. And we need to get rid of it. If we want revival today, we need to clean some things out of our hearts. Get the cobwebs gone. Knock the spiders down. Get them creepy things out of there that are hindering our relationship with God. Well, let me share one more with you. Go back with me, if you will, to verse 13, where he says this, Therefore, after all this was said, Therefore, said I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Look at verse 17. They which build it on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that uh, laid it, every one with uh, one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded, and he that sounded the trumpet was by me. Look at verse 20. In what place therefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us? Our God shall fight for us, so we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars disappeared. Likewise, at the same time said I unto the people, let every one with a servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they shall be a guard to us, and labor on the day, so neither I, nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which follow me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. Well, praise the Lord for that, amen. But that means that they were ready all the time. Listen to me. We don't see revival today because we're not ready for revival today. Our hearts are not where they ought to be. We're not in prayer like we ought to be. We're not in the word like we ought to be. We're not in church like we ought to be many times. 
My friend, if you want revival in your life, you need to follow God's plan for you. You need to follow God's plan. You need to follow God's way, his direction. I like something your pastor had made a statement about this morning. I can't remember, the, maybe it was during the morning service, Pastor, where you were uh, talking about uh, the Lord and, and about uh, David, you know, at Sunday school. And uh, this, one of the statements you made was that, um, is that it's not, you, you don't go out and you, you and slay those giants uh, on your own. You can't do it on your own, amen? David recognized that. That's why he had, that's why he, God was on his side. You, listen, you want revival, it has to be God's way, not your way. You can't have revival without doing it God's way, amen? And then, if you've never been saved by the grace of God, you'll never experience revival. Revival is only for those who have been born again, saved by the grace of God. You say, Brother Mike, boy, things just don't seem to me uh, in my life. Things just don't seem to be coming together. Maybe you need to be saved in order for things to start to come together. Amen. Oh, that doesn't mean you won't have rough times. Nothing in the Bible says that when you get saved, it's going to be a bed of roses. Boy, I can tell you story after story after story after story. Just had that major break, breakdown, brother. On Albany, New York, $2,935 and the $735 towing bill. Amen. Can you imagine that? $735 to tow my rig 19 miles? Boy, I tell you, I just blew my mind. Amen. And God provided every penny. That's God. Amen. I told, yeah, I used to get mad. You ever get mad when you had a flat tire? I used to get mad, preacher, and I'd kick the tire, you know. I thought about that, I was saying, when I was in the ministry, I'd get mad. Why in the world does that have to happen now? I got this visitation call to make. I got to be in the church. I got to be in this meeting. Why would this have to happen now? The Lord always smoked my heart, you know, like, well, you dumb, if you put a new tire on there, you wouldn't run on that ball for now I break down and I just sit there and I smile and I say, okay, Lord, I'm going to see how you're going to do this. Amen. I've had about three or four major breakdowns in the last year and a half. And the cheapest one was about $1,350. Six new tires, three grand. Amen. By the time I was done, amen. And God provided for all of it. I got to think, if I, if I would have quit complaining years ago, I'd have been farther ahead than I am today. Amen. <laughs> Try to scrape the money together. God's been so good to us. I want. I tell you what. I want. But can I tell you this? I still want revival in my heart. I want revival. Amen. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you would, please.